to Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Black Light family. Welcome to another show of Black Light. That's a proper show. And today, it's going to be based off of wrongful conviction. I would say a lot, a high percentage would be off of junk science, and it's not accurate. Ain't that right, man? Um, yeah, as we're starting to see that a lot of expert witnesses or forensics that is done is not handled in a manner that it should be. And there's cross containment, which a lot of times leads to people being caught up in a situation where they didn't even commit a crime and prosecution saying that they are guilty because they have fingerprints or ballistics or DNA. And it's not even accurate. Well, definitely because, um, just saying sounds, like science, but there's no empirical basis for the expert opinion. It is just subjective speculation as science. So it's like typically tilted in the government's favor against an indigenous person of color. And a lot of that stuff is recorded in the American criminal justice system. And I encourage everybody to go get this book Culture and Science and American Criminal Justicism by M. Chris Fabricant. And it got a lot of information. It even got the um, the Bundy case in there, which is a good example of the peak mark that they said that was his wasn't actually his. And they had to narrow it down from 1,400 inmates all the way down to one single pie, and then they said that it was his, and come to find out, it wasn't. And it came from three different business experts, which they end up making a bar association for a board for to create dentistry for forensic departments. And it was based off of Bilarkey, it really wasn't so accuracy at none of those because they kept getting them wrong. They kept getting called back on the bullcrap. And the funny case is a real, real prime example when it comes to how John science really caught people on conviction. But I know what we found some articles. My wife found some articles on people that just got released from, what, 25, 29 years? Well, I'm sure the world has heard about Crosley Green, who was released for a crime he didn't commit, but the higher court where he lived, where he currently lives, um, recalled the decision of the lower court and have called him back to prison. And he had to return himself back to prison. But I guess what is shocking is the fact that somebody had already said that they had committed the crime and he didn't do it. And so the fact that they still are accusing him knowing that he didn't do it and he was released after 25 years and then had to go back. Yeah, that's... I don't I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's 
that's that's what I mean. Like all that time, that's two decades for somebody to be incarcerated. And I can understand the mental stages that that man literally went through, being incarcerated for something that you didn't do. So it's like it don't matter. It, it, it can't. You can't. We can't even fabricate on what institutionally his mind is right now. Like he's probably still getting adjusted to new technology. He's probably still learning a little bit of the same basis that we would normally think that it is running in the but it's not normal for a person that's just getting out 20 years later plus because he was locked up over 20 years. So it was just like, I feel really bad on how the system is really doing people. And nobody's really making noise. I mean, people's making noise about it. I, I, I ain't going to say that because I'd be biased if I say that, but people are making noise about wrongful convictions, over sentences and stuff. But sometimes I think it's not enough. I think these legislators and the people in these seats, they need to get their ears open a little bit more, be holistically when they think about these decisions and the mass here, because it's really affecting us really bad in the family. Not only am I doing time, my wife's doing time with me. Not only was he doing time, but his family was doing time with him. So wrongful convictions are really having a big effect on the community. These guys up here in these seats think that it's not affecting the family. Like, and it is. It's, it's, it's very dramatic. Because it's making these mental states worse. <laughs> I mean, really? It is. I mean, it's, it's messed up. Like, But what's crazy is the fact that now you see so many innocent people that, I mean, Lord knows how long and what they had to do to actually get somebody to believe in their innocence but people that have spent like 30 and 26 years for a crime they didn't commit when they had evidence that that person did not commit it when you have other witnesses saying hey I did it I did it plain as day and then you still like biasly choose to charge someone else and they lose 20 30 something years of their life that they could never get back like people die society changes like it's so much the changes and you have to suffer for something that you did not do, which is crazy. And so I'm just glad that there's a lot of more conversation around trial penalty where people are penalized for either not taking the plea deal and going to trial or wanting to go to trial and then forced into a plea deal. Like, it's just wild. And then you have junk science on top of that. People are incarcerated because of junk science. Like, it's just wild the way that they go about trying to warehouse people. Like, seriously setting up innocent people yeah. to lose life. Like, life. Well, this is sad. They spend billions of dollars on incarcerating people, but not billions of dollars on helping people. That's crazy. It's definitely crazy. I encourage men, I listen to men, because I know Alabama. Kentucky, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York, California, y'all have really serious cases going on, and y'all having a lot of death in y'all's prisons and jails. But I encourage y'all to help us bring awareness to the situation. If anybody got some stories about home convictions, please email us and let us know those stories. Definitely or reach out. Have, yeah, have somebody hit us up and tell us a story, because we want you to tell your version. Of the story, not, not the media. 
we want raw and cut. I'm like raw right now. I'm on the first raw right now, <laughs> running the show with my wife. Like we is pumping. This is live and direct. Live black light mass incarceration show. We are jumping live, not nothing that chopped up. So I'm just I'm in it. So I'm in it with y'all. Don't think that I ain't in it with y'all because I'm living it right now. So if y'all want to call, hit us up. You know what it is. We're going to reply. But we do, like, have a um, interview coming up with a guy that's been um, wrongly convicted. He's going to tell you his side of the story. And he was definitely wrongfully um, convicted off of junk science in North Carolina. And the, the what he had to go through to prove his own innocence is crazy that your family has to pay the cost to try to prove your innocence when it probably only took them, like, what, a month or two? Which I know he said he was offered many, many yeah. plea deals and he declined them all because he was innocent. Like, it's crazy how people are innocent and they give them plea deals and they decline it because they're innocent, but then they still get charged or still get 20, 36 years Knowing they didn't commit that crime, like yeah, it really that really like burns me up because I'm just like, dang, like I be looking at my own situation, like dang, I'm, my lawyer could have did way more for me, or he could he really could have helped me out, but he didn't. Like he chose not to help me out. Like he just sold me out. Like left me like I was a homeless man, and he just gave me couple quarters and told me to go get something to eat and told me to go on my way. That's basically what happened. Well, when you call back, I want to read this article and I want to get your opinion on the article because I don't know, it's just crazy. Like the whole felony murder rule is something that really has to be abolished because there's too many people. Oh, yeah. Y'all please hit us up. Cause we try to get, we try to petition against the family murder rule. We try to write a bill for that. So anybody that wants to put their signatures with that to help us try to get that family murder rule pushed, like get that out the way here, please feel free to email us, man. Hit us up, man. Cause all these nonprofit too, man, injustices and stuff, man. Y'all need to hit us up and let's put a, a game plan together so we can push this bill out here and try to get it through, man. Yeah, there's a lot of people of color, marginalized and poor people who are currently incarcerated for a crime they had nothing to do with, was not in the vicinity, but is charged with felony murder and have life because felony murder is life without parole or even death penalty. And that is just wild. <laughs> it's just it's just wild how they just don't care about humanity. Like, you just throw people away in droves, like in droves, children, adults, elderly people, you just throw them away in a warehouse. It's like, oh, I don't forget them. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. Especially, like, they make it institutions. Like, and it, it's just like, it's, it's like a big behavioral hospital, but it's punishment. Man, listen, and prison has become really on- a daycare, a behavioral hospital, and a nursing home all in one. Yeah, most definitely. But it's sad, though. It's sad in here, man. We're looking at 100 dudes a day. <laughs> Dealing with, like, 80 different personalities, man. But I can't get mad because they they doing like they going through it. Like I want really you to elaborate on that. 
when you call back? Like, how right. is it to like deal with multiple personalities every day? I want people to understand that experience or try to under because they don't think about that. Like dealing with you're forced to deal with multiple personalities a day. It's not like, all right, well, I'm tired of dealing with this person. Let me go in my room or let me leave or let me go outside. Like you can do none of those things. You have to deal with people's personalities. I mean, you really said the words, like, you know, it's forced. Like, what it really is. <laughs> like, this, like, I'm forced. Like, I have to deal with it. So either, either, either I deal with it or I go to the hole. And some people uh, I, desire I, I, to go I, to the I, hole I, because I, they can't deal with multiple personalities, <laughs> which is even worse. You know what I'm saying? It's like, deal with it or go be isolated by yourself. Yeah. I have to tell y'all something yeah, we'll be waiting on you. Are you feeling unheard after a negative encounter with a law enforcement officer, sheriff, or correctional officer? Visit the Emancipate NC website to report your encounter. Any individual can use the Emancipate NC form to report a police encounter, upload video, photographs, or other evidence, and share their information with the U.S. Today's National Police Misconduct Database. Share it with your friends and family members and community. Our communities have the wisdom and the data we need to keep us safe from rude police. By crowdsourcing this information, we will be able to analyze departmental trends, mobilize campaigns for accountability, and file more effective litigation. Remember, we keep us safe. Sponsored by Emancipate NC. Yeah, babe, we back. We went on. Well, it's like that. Uh, I don't know. Like you dealing with massive personalities and different views of personalities because of what people's charges are. And it's like uh, you got rapers. You got child molesters, you got murderers, people in here for driving parts, charges, assaults, and those are all different perceptions when it comes to why they think they're in there or why not they shouldn't. So you got uppity people, you got <laughs> you got people that think that they're really, really hard, like they look for trouble all the time, complications. You got people that just do drugs. They just try to escape their reality. You got people that just give up and don't never take no showers and just sit there and wallow in their own stuff. Don't change no sheets, no clothes, no nothing. Just be in deep depression. You got people that want to argue all the time, take possession over stuff like the TV or the, the phone or even the feet. So it's like you have to be cautious of of other people's situations. So it's like when you're doing that, in order for you not to be messed up or go to restrictive housing, you're gonna have to find a way to be humble. Something that I do every day. So in order to deal with those situations, you're gonna have to find some type of go to. So you gotta start using your creativity, like doing art playing chess, playing games on your tablet, going to school on your tablet. You just got to start doing stuff to 
separate yourself in the midst of chaos. Because that's dealing with an open dorm, 35 different personalities, inside of a building of medium is 84 people in one block. Close custody block is 40 cells in one block that's 40 people. So you got different levels when it comes to close custody is going to be 40. Open bunk and close custody medium is going to be 84 in one block. And where I'm at like right now is 35. And then here at I where I'm at, you got <laughs> you got a lot of rapers, you got a lot of child molesters, you got a lot of and they get protected too. Like sometimes you, I might be angry at reading somebody's stuff on the towel because somebody brought it to me in attention, and, and they is, and they be the ones that really be causing a lot of argument and problems because they feel like they know everything or they know this, but they really in here for some messed up stuff. In order for you to stay level and not go off the hinges, because they're going to tell on you. And if you fight them, that's a charge. You can't do nothing to them people no more. So it's like a, it's like a lot of stuff like you have to deal with and maintain. And if you don't maintain, restrictive housing, $10 write-ups, that's $10 off the account every write-up. It sets your level back where you can't make it custody hearing, if you're trying to get a better custody level from green clothes to green clothes from brown, like you just that's how you really got to deal with stuff like that in here. It's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. And don't let you not have no support in that world. If you don't have no support in that world, dude, people become victims, preyed upon, because they get money, so they're going to try to get cool with you so you can feed them. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of stuff that people are trying to do in here to try to get fed or taken care of or even protection. You got people that pay for protection. You got people that <laughs> that pay for don't be, to not to be for gangs not to mess with them. So they'll pay the gangs and stay off of them. Like it's it's a whole bunch of stuff that people deal with while they incarcerated. It ain't just no no paradise. You just in here against some rules or something like that. It's a whole nother world inside of prison. They even got their own law system, policy system in prison, other than in the world. So that's that's really how it is dealing with most personalities. Even the police. You gotta deal with that too. You had their attitudes too and they wanna come to work mad and take it out on you. Wanna take your privileges, restrictions mess up the phone so you can't call your people like that. It's always going to be a conversation because everybody's trying to get through on the phone, but it ain't working right. Like, they do stuff like that. So we have to deal with a lot. So a person coming up out of prison, they got to learn patience. Mm-hmm. Patience is key. Humbleness. To survive. I used to be wild when I first came to prison. I had to calm down, but because you feel like you ain't got nothing to lose with a 30-year sentence, you're going you're gonna to be ratchet. You're going to be like an animal. You ain't going to care. You're going to be ready to fight whoever, whenever, whatever. You're going to be ready to get in. But eventually, you'll learn. You're going to have to have patience, and you're going to have to start doing other things than that because it's going to make it time harder. Because you ain't going to do nothing to be put in the hole. Being in the hole is mentally distraughting. It, it gives you brain damage. 
mm-hmm. mentally. Like it ain't no oh, we just talking. No, it's no, that's like a fact. Yeah, it's, it gives it's your brain data that damage. it it actually yeah, kills your brain cells. Yeah, because you on overdrive uh, almost a hundred percent of the day because you are at high stress levels. You're straight intense at all times. Like I think that's what most people learn their patience at in the hole because they bored. Because once you get in there, the door lock is open. You can't get it open. You got to wait till they come let you out. They got to put you in handcuffs when you do come out and take a shower. So it's just like, <laughs> you're going to have to learn patience. You're going to have to learn how to calm down. You're going to have to learn how to think before you act. I mean, that's how that's the way you should look at it. Like, if you want to make yourself better, you're going to have to learn those steps. But as far as being forced against your will, it's messed up. Straight up, it's messed up. Because not everybody in prison is guilty. That's mm-hmm. a fact. So you got to get treated as if you were guilty while you're incarcerated, even if you're not guilty. That's the messed up part. Well, now that we're talking about that, I want to um, kind of touch this article. It came from Davis Guard, and it says, over the past 50 years, Lawmakers nationwide enacted several extreme sentencing policies that disregard the legal system's effort to advance proportionality, which means punishing crimes accordingly to their level of harm and intent. Most notable felony murder laws allow prosecutors to charge people with murder because they participated in a felony that resulted in someone being killed, even if the individual did not directly cause or intend the loss of life but all two U.S. states have these same statues on the books. Consider the case of Emmanuel Mendez in 2010 at the age of 19. Mendoza, I'm sorry, helped lure a robbery victim to a location where an accomplice waited with a firearm. Neither man planned to commit murder, but Mendoza's accomplice fatally shot the victim during the struggle over the firearm. While Mendoza did not have a weapon, intent to kill or fire the fatal shot he was convicted of felony murder because of the actions of his accomplice as a result california automatically sent him sentenced him to life without parole so it was saying basically how you could be charged with felony murder for being in the same room but my thing is you wasn't even in the vicinity of the area so how do you get charged with felony murder when you're not even in the same room that's a right yeah, that's, that's, that's what they get you. That's like really how they really get people. Uh, they want to charge you with the felony murder rule where it can go to a capital offense. So they, they can give you only two options for getting pled guilty on. But to, I mean, to be found guilty, which is in, uh, acting in concert and conspiracy. But if it was reduced to first-degree murder, then they wouldn't be able to convict a lot of people because it would need a whole lot to convict a person of first-degree murder. But if you've got a capital case, you only need two things to convict for a capital case, which would be acting in concert conspiracy. So just because somebody rode over somewhere in a car with somebody at a store or a house, they say they say they just guilty against the person that went in the house and killed the person while the person is still outside in the car, which is unfair. You know, so you can't predict what a person is going to do when a person gets out of the car and goes somewhere why you ain't in there. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Exactly. 
So like that's very that needs to change. That's what people really need to get together so we can come up with and try to get that done because that's really it killed me. Yeah. I'm in prison today because somebody went in the house and had you know an altercation and it led out to a shootout and I'm outside waiting on people to come back outside. But the thing, it wasn't intentional. You know like nobody had that mind frame that oh we're gonna go in here and do a shootout. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's why I'm in the situation I'm in. I'm trying to get help. For uh, trying to get the ineffective counsel straight. So, anybody that specializes in ineffective counsel, please email me at Black Life Mass Show. Or if anybody just want to help go through the help. case, because there's massive holes in that case. Like, massive holes. And if I can see it, I'm sure other people can see it. Like, it just, none of it adds up. Evidence does not add up. <laughs> Period. But okay. it's crazy because it says that. 80% of people that are in prison are convicted of felony murder, which 70% were black. Additional almost three-fourths of people serving life without parole for felony murder in 2019 in Pennsylvania were 25 or younger at the time of the offense. That's serious. I mean, well, I, I didn't even go for that serious. It's just, it's sad because it's, it's been going on forever. Like, but that's also dang, them stacking charges as well. Like it's easier to stack charges with a capital case than, you know, yeah, like most definitely. Yeah, it runs back to the regular charges. system. Yeah, like hey, I'm a police officer. I'm finna overcharge you so you can stay in jail. But what's crazy is I money. see people like when they get plea deals, like they get a decent. Sometimes they get a decent plea deal, but they gave like what they gave you was not. I don't understand that. Like, you got the most time out of everybody, especially the shooter. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And they blamed it on my record. Like, and it's supposed to be about the intent of the crime. Like, you had no intentions of any of that. So, but you got charged, supposedly got the most time because of your record, supposedly because of structured sentencing guidelines, which is another stupid thing that just keeps people in prison for a long amount of time. Well, yeah. Pretty well. So, when I call back, you know, we're going to end the show and let y'all um, definitely hear this interview of this lawful conviction that's coming up. We'll be back. So, yeah, fam, while we're waiting on him to call back, yeah, felony murder is just one egregious law that needs to be abolished everywhere. Um, I know Colorado... And maybe one other state has redone the felony murder rule, but they haven't made it retroactive. So it has to be a current charge. And so we have to keep bringing more and more attention. Shout out to the Sentencing Project for really honing in on the felony murder rule and a few other nonprofits that understand that it is a harmful, harmful law. And so it's not something that we need to continue to charge people with because it's just a way to... Like I said, throw more people away in the droves and in the masses and not really focusing on the intent and the harm of the crime and if that person was really culpable. That's what's important is the culpability of felony murder. And so you don't even have to be culpable to have your life be thrown away for the rest of your life. So, yeah, I really hope you like this next interview, too, because 
It wasn't a felony murder charge, but I mean, he was charged as a, as a kid and it's just egregious how he was blamed for something that he did not do as a child and basically lost all of his childhood and college years for a crime he didn't commit due to junk science. So imagine how many more of our incarcerated loved ones that are incarcerated in North Carolina are in off of junk science. That's another thing. Um, And I'm glad that's being brought to the light because for years we always relied on the science and the forensic science and that's how we connected the dots. But as we see now that it's not always true, it's not always correct. He's calling back, y'all. Yeah, babe. Yeah. I hope y'all enjoyed the show on wrongful conviction and having real talk with with us today. And uh, I hope that y'all enjoyed this interview because it's a real good interview. It's a really good and, interview. Uh, it's oh. a barber. It's a barber where I'm at. <laughs> it's <laughs> like real people, like, just doing real, like, this is so crazy, man. Y'all couldn't even imagine some of the people that really have some stories because I wouldn't really never, when I looked at him, I just didn't think of it, but he just pulled up on me like, hey, man, I need to tell my story. And he told me why he's giving me a shape up. <laughs> <laughs> this is my barber, man. I'm telling you, man, the dude is real live. Amazing kid. Cool he's an amazing kid, like really smart and I'm rooting for his yeah. his release and hopefully we can get a, a campaign going to get him released faster because he deserves to be released now. Yeah. Like for real. I was like, dang. But um I'm Jeffrey Cobb. I'm Sierra Cobb. And this is and the this Black is the Light Black Mass Incarceration Black. Show. All right. All right, y'all. We love y'all. We appreciate all the support nationwide, worldwide. Thank you. Keep listening in, sharing, reaching out, commenting. We all need to collectively come together to change the landscape of the injustice criminal system that we currently have. And until the all next right. time, y'all take care. All right. Keep your head up. Bye, y'all. Hey, Black Life family, this is Jay Cobb, your host. Did you know your short-term memory can only store about four to five things at once? So make sure that you pay attention to what you perceive when you read things. That is your body time. What is it? Good morning, Black Light listeners. I have a special guest with me today. I have Saran, and he wants to share his story with you all. So I will let Saran introduce himself. Um, Saran, if you just want to introduce yourself and kind of give the audience a little bit of background about you. Okay. My name is Saran Cable. They call me DC. My name is DC. 36 years old. I've been incarcerated about 17. And, um, been in prison pretty much all my life. The crimes I didn't commit. I've been wrong to be convicted. Fighting my case. Right now, I got the most of in the actual innocence on my case, helping me out with my case. And um, that's like 
So you've been incarcerated a lot. Did it start as a juvenile or it started in as an adult? Uh, this is my first time I've ever been incarcerated. I got locked up when I was 17 years old. I had just turned 17. I got locked up one after I turned 17. So I got locked up as a juvenile. And, uh, I got finished. I got finished with 35 to 46 years as a juvenile. You said 36 um, to 40? You said 36 to 45 years? 35 to 46 years. As a juvenile? That's a lot. Yeah, I got that much time as a juvenile. This is my first time ever getting any trouble. I was a junior in high school, playing football. I never been in any trouble. Most of ever been in like fighting school. You know, what I'm saying? that's most of what I've been. I never had handcuffs on me before this. I never had license or job. I was doing all that stuff before I got locked up. I never been in any trouble at all. And um, I got charged with crimes I didn't commit. You know, what I'm saying like they charged me. The charges I got was two on robbery, two on robbery, two kidnapping. Breaking the injury, but the main charge was two first charges. Uh, one of them was a first degree rape charge, and one was another sexual offense. They did miss the sexual offense, and they charged me with a first degree rape, on robbery, kidnapping, and talking to four pleas. I deny all four pleas. I've been trying out 35 years, 35 to 46 years. You know, uh, first plea offered me with like 30 something years. I've turned it down. Thank you. 20 to 24, I've turned that down. The third to 12 to 20, 12 to 15, I've turned that down. Lastly, was 7 to 9, the time served, which I had done like 14 months in the county, so it was in like 6 to 8. I've turned that down, you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't do it, you know what I'm saying? They said, right, so I was like, right, okay, I didn't do that. So I committed to the DNA testing and everything. And what's crazy in my case is they have no evidence in my case. Whatsoever, there's no signs of one being raped or anything. You know, only thing they got me convicted because they, they found my blood in this glove that appeared like three days later after the canine people searched. They didn't find anything there and all this stuff. Three days later, the one in the Hudson said she found gloves or whatever. And the expert witness testified that it was my blood in the glove. The expert witness come to find out after I've been convicted and was in prison. And so we had committed perjury in like seven to ten other cases. They are had committed perjury, giving false testimony about scientific evidence. Since I've been locked up in 2012, um, I got post addiction testing done to lab for and voting technology and all the tests that was being back. It's not my blood in the glove, and there's never any blood in the glove. And the only reason why I'm not out of prison is because they said that they would have tested the glove. Blood came back and showed it was somebody else's blood, and it was pretty intense because the blood came back and the pain or whatever it was that was in the blood wasn't blood at all. It didn't prove that I wasn't there. It didn't prove that it was somebody else. So I got to go through all this technical stuff to get my freedom back. And it's like there's no evidence in my case. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, the North Carolina Central actually empty. That's my case. They got a little stuff on the website and talk about my cases somewhat. But, like, we just spent a lot of money on folks getting tested. Like, people don't know the DNA test costs a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? Like, each test is, like, anywhere from, you know, what you're doing. Like, you're running with, like, 2500 and, like, $5,000 a test. And I got, like, five different tests. And I got tests ran on the bitch. I got tests ran on the uh, love. I got tests ran on 
all the other evidence in the case, everything literally comes back as negative. No fingerprints, no DNA, no 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 anything. They tested the JC and they never tested before with the trial. They tested that and they came back and tested positive for male chromosomes YSPR that was a lot that that was a lot and so this is this is why we do this podcast to show people that there are so many people incarcerated in North Carolina with the long sentence who never committed a crime and how they force crimes on especially the black community when they know they had nothing to do with it. That's a lot. So can you kind of tell me um, how did that make you feel being 17, never being in trouble to going to getting 35 years to 40 years for a crime you did not commit? I think I went, I went crazy and I rebelled because I got so many writers, like, Yeah, go ahead. Talk to like, Guys, doing all that stuff, you still end up in prison. And it's like, 
him. I was married and I saw him do it. I still ended up in prison. And now I'm kind of by default running with these same gang members and stuff. And, you know, being with him and all of us know each other. And it's just like now you get labeled because you hang with certain people in there. They're like, okay, well, you're going to validate you as a gang member. You know what I'm saying? So you get validated as gang members. Sometimes, like, I was on YouTube for like, it's just what it was, you had to be down with something. Like, it, it, either you was a part of a group, one part of a group, and you didn't get taken advantage of. That's just what was going on, you know what I'm saying? But that's mm-hmm. how I ended up, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like doing a game, like, but it's like, I ended up doing this because I'm kind of forced in that direction. I never probably would have done it. I stayed away from it in the streets, and he put me into an environment where, like, killed or be killed or. Only the strong survive environment, you know what I'm saying? And with me having the charges I had, I'm getting so many fights. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good fighter, so when I'm getting these fights. Some of my homeboys that know me know I'm innocent. And then they see that, you know, I'm handling my baby fights. They're like, well, you might as well get down with us. That way, people can leave you alone and get this. I ain't doing nobody for protection. I don't need no protection. It's like, well, it ain't really that, but at the same time, it's like people won't keep trying you on that type of Getting that, I go through what I go through, and all that stuff led to a lot of time in the hole. So when you get some of my solitary confinement, now you're talking about something that was very, very like gentle anguish on me. You know what I'm saying? And like every time I went, first it was like, okay, it is what it is. But over the years, it stuff like wearing down me, stuck in that room, can't ever get out in that room 24 hours out of the day, mm-hmm. over and over. And you just sit in there, you're like, man, I'm in prison. That's your whole life. Like that's that's your whole life, literally. Living what I've been living here, 
it's like I feel like our voice hasn't been heard for prison too basically. Those people that died, I feel like they're burying us alive. You know what I'm saying? A lot of us in here that don't make the movies don't know that our lives are just away from us. A lot of us innocent. Some of us that may not be innocent. We still overspending, you know what I'm saying? Race plays a major factor into a lot of this stuff because I thought the white guys, I mean, they might have similar charges. I might get three to four, five, six years. I'm talking to black guys who get double, maybe triple the amount they get. We get 15 to 20 years, 20 to 25 years. These white guys got worse records than we got. And the simple charges that we're not near like what we're getting. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I worry about a lot of stuff like that. So that's what kind of helped keep me grounded when I was in a hole, worrying about stuff like that, trying to count my ideas out. And like I say, that's when I kind of like, I got a lawyer from Robert Jackson or whatever. Mm-hmm. My lawyer, he was one of the lawyers on the, the cross case or whatever. He, he had took the first initiative to help, to help with my case. And he wants to, he uncovered a lot of stuff in my like, you know, the, the expert witnesses made the purchasing and all that kind of stuff like that. And, like, the thing that kind of keeps pushing me forward mm-hmm. is when I get people to help so I can have a voice, but also I need more my, that I'm truly innocent. It's like, I want to prove it so bad. You know what I'm saying? Some people say they don't care what people think about it. I don't, but I do. I don't care what nobody thinks. I'm going to do what I do. But I care what people think about me. That means a lot to me because I built my whole life upon my reputation. I was out there dinner with God, dinner stand up and just dinner team cats. Like play sports on my life. So when I get locked up and then people heard I got locked up, I'm like, oh, you got locked up. We get locked up or you got locked up. Right? Oh, what in the world? You know what I'm saying? Like, that just plays in my head and people run with that, 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 that story and then they don't really know the details. Who, yeah, they don't know the details. They don't know the truth. Like, I'm really I feel like I lost a lot of friends. I lost the only girl I ever loved. I didn't make sure I was 17. I don't have any kids. I didn't get a lot of across the stage or anything. That was more, so I was going to go to school for myself. I wanted to graduate walk off the stage with my mom and my dad. Show them that all their hard dedication was not in vain. I, I did it for them, you know what I'm saying? I didn't get a chance to do that. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't get no, I don't have, I don't have kids. I haven't had a chance to do nothing in life. I've been through a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And now that in a year, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, because you said you. I mean, you have you've lost you lost oh, yeah. your childhood and a half of your adulthood in prison for something you didn't do. Yeah, I've lost all of it. I lost. What I call it my warriors. My, my warrior years. I call my warriors time when you going through stages, discovering yourself, building your family, building your credit, building all these. And the only and it's crazy is that I, I still kind of got a vague hope of a kind of leaving the system to agree, hoping that they realize that they made a mistake and they just simply correct that error. These people still do not want to admit that they made an error because it's almost like them it's like a win or a loss or something with their reputation. It's a loss for yeah, them loss because for them. most of them a- most of them come in with a biased thought. Like they pick one person and they hone in on that person, even when they know they have different suspects that they could look at, but they just get so 
caught up on one person. And no matter what, even if the evidence doesn't point to that person, prosecution is known to make it point, even though they don't have accurate evidence. They'll do whatever, use junk science and experts who lie. And it's just the, the, the most corrupt things that go on in court is crazy. And they don't get in trouble for it at all. It's crazy. And that's what I don't understand. It's like, okay, you can take my life away from me. And then when it comes to the light that you messed up and you did all this stuff, like, prosecutorial misconduct, it's like, you not only miscarried justice, you deliberately miscarried justice. So that should be a crime. That should be a crime that is punishable by jail time, not no fine or you losing your job. You should go to jail the same way you've taken my life away and your freedom should be taken away from you. You should have a record for everything. You know what I'm saying? You, you messed up my life. Not only did you mess up my life, when I got locked up, I wasn't the only part that got locked up. Your family. My mom, mm-hmm. yeah, my whole entire family. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and they've been doing it to the black community for so long. It's like they put a lot of black males in, in, in prison and females too, but majority black males in prison because, you know, they're taking away the fathers. Now you got broken homes. Now you got self-abuse and stuff. They, Also, you could be the change to the system because by you being directly impacted and being wrongfully convicted, you can help other people get through it and and show them how, you know, you kept fighting because some people just a lot of people give up like they be wrongfully convicted and they, you know, reach out for help and they get denied, especially in North Carolina, because it's just not enough help to help people here. And so, you know, the fact that you still didn't give up. And you're young. Like, a lot of people just, they give up. They give up and they don't even want to try anymore. But you kept going after it and saying, I'm innocent. And just kept sharing your story till finally somebody believed in your story. And that's the thing, having somebody actually believe in your innocence. when you're. It's hard to get somebody to believe in your innocence when you've been labeled and convicted for something you didn't do. We're in the same situation. So I understand. I get it. I know, like, one of the main things is, like, and the thing that breaks my heart is that, like I say, like when it comes to like emails, or whatever, like I'm a girlfriend and stuff. Like uh, I'm like the medium. I most girls say, you know, I'm like a sweetheart. I wouldn't do nothing to hurt no females. I don't believe in disrespecting females. I don't even put my hand on females. I don't do none of that stuff. 
So to get that type of charge, it kind of, it really, it breaks my heart if somebody try to say that stuff. And sometimes I'm trying to share my story with very individuals in here. And then, like, they, you might end up having a disagreement and they're like, trying to throw back in my face, like, oh, you just a raper, or you just a raper. And it, it breaks my heart. I'm trying to break my heart in pieces. I'm like, oh, man, I shared something with you. And then you try to throw it back against me like that. And then that ain't even true. Like, now it makes me going through a hill. I don't trust nobody. I don't talk about it, I don't do nothing, but it's hard to keep all this type of frustration picked up inside of you. I, I've learned that that it isn't healthy, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, it's just like, I got to the point where now it's like, on my truth, like, I can't let nobody hurt me with something that you didn't do. Yes, I'm, I got to get I got to be the but I didn't do it. So, right. yeah, that's right, but that's going to be part of my testimony, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I went through this, but I know what the, the end play is, is, is going to be. And that's why I say, like, now, like, I want to dedicate a lot of my time because, like I say, the North Carolina Center actually is, they have my case. I went to court three or four times in February. So I'm just waiting to go through the next motion to the MAR. Now, I get out of here, I'm going to be a strong advocate for prisoners' rights because I'm trying to break this system and stop this mass incarceration thing. And I love what you're doing because I want to help way and I want to set a precedent for when they make a law, like they got a Brady law, I want to have a law that can say a Chavis law when they talk about my name, you know what I'm saying? I want to create a legacy that helps change this system and turn it upside down because if they use the system for what it is truly meant to be used for, which is mean rehabilitation to help people become better people and better fit for society, help people change. Like, I'm in a block where people stay in a block all day. You know what I'm saying? They don't got no money or no tablet back. They just sit in a block all day. So they're not doing anything to struggle with their time. It's like, if you're not trying to help yourself, they're not going to give you the stuff that you need to help you. Nope. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, purpose of prison. You know what I'm saying? If you're not trying to help yourself, some people come in here worse. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, when I came in here, the prison exposed me to more stuff than I've ever been exposed to in my life. Like, it's the first time I came to these drugs where they use drugs and be around people that do some of the stuff. I've seen more stuff than I've seen stuff was in the street. You know what I'm saying? It's like, dang, like, it's really kind of made a person just to make a person worse off than when they first came in here. Because, like, a person can come into prison for two or three years. And then the way some of these officers treat us when we come in here, they got this power conflict. And they talk to us a certain way or treat us a certain way. It'll make a person that got two or three years have a strong vendetta against them and get out with a messed up mentality where they didn't really learn nothing but hate and negativity towards the people that have a so-called authority versus the people that got their authority try to use their authority to help us and guide us the way they're supposed to do it. So I treating us as subhuman. And this might work a little bit better, but like they're not trying to yeah, but that's the way the system is designed. It's designed to tear people down. So if they are eventually released, they come right back. You see what I'm saying? So that they can continue to get free uh, servitude out of people because America is lazy. That's just what it is. They want to get free slavery work out of people incarcerated. So they make sure that once you go, you don't come back. Because I hear so many stories of people scared to come home because they've been institutionalized for so long. 
and they don't know how to reacclimate themselves with society because they give them no tools to do that. You're right about that. You're right about that. Like, like I say, if you don't help yourself, like, okay, since I've been in here, you know, actively went out of my way to get as much education as I can get. So I basically took all the education that I can get. I can't even take nothing else. Everything I'm kind of took electrical trade, plumbing, commercial cleaning, digital design, culinary art, auto upholstery, uh, like black art 101. Like, I just took like so much stuff. I got a record of good stuff as well as the writer, but it's like I got a lot of education stuff. You know what I'm saying? I think the GD, I got that with like honors. I knew I was going to get like on that because I always been like very intelligent and I scored in school all my life. So I got all that type of education and stuff that I can go out there and do. But well, listen, you're... I appreciate you doing this interview with me. You're welcome. Your story is so amazing and so inspiring. And I appreciate you sharing your story. Don't stop sharing your story. You know, we can always stay connected so I can help you start advocating from there. And then you can, can bring it out here. And um, we could do some big things when you get out here. But definitely keep sharing that story. Keep doing what you're doing. And I want to let the audience okay, know that he is. Go ahead. I was going to say hello. I was going to let, 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 let them know that, you know, we we in here, we in here together. And um, I think the same about the hang up, and I don't want to hang up on you. But like I said, I just appreciate you letting me share my story with you. You're welcome. Keep in touch. Okay, I will. All I right. will. Take care. Take care. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host, Sierra Cobb. Take care.